This episode is brought to you by the Shadow of Idris Elba. No one can escape it. Not even the kaiju. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Last King Podcast. And what? What were you about to say? I don't know. The near apocalypse? Like cancelling the apocalypse? It's the year end. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everybody. Woohoo! It's the end of 2018. I'm pretty sure it's still March. Okay, we are entering what? Summer solstice? I can't remember. I'm not that's two months away. Right? Oh, that's two spring. months away? It's the spring equinox soon, I guess? I don't yes, know. Yes, equinox. Uh, there we go. Th- th- I have no idea. <laughs> so let's go sacrifice some virgins in the Wicker Man. I don't know. Like, I'm mixing everything together now. But you're European, don't you? Like, Aren't you kind of pagan? Maybe. Aren't we all a little bit pagan inside? So speaking <laughs> of pagan, <laughs> pagans inside. Yes, pagan inside. Okay, this is the last game podcast. <laughs> pagans inside. Yes, pagan inside. It's like a Pegasus, you know, but with a pagan. <laughs> Pegasus and pagans. You have two pagans as wings, you know. What okay. even is this show? I'm eccentric Tom. Hey, I'm eccentric Mr. Toffee Tom. here. That's some very eccentric talk there. And now, of course, I am uh, Dr. Shafiq. Here we are, uh, episode 74, 73. 73. 73. 73. My bad, yes. Yeah. Uh, one step ahead of myself here. Yeah. And speaking of one step ahead of ourselves, uh, we're going to be talking about a few things Like, okay, we have a video game again Yeah Thank God Oh okay. my God, we're talking about video games? We used to yes. be a video game podcast, running joke uh, We have Nino Kuni 2 arriving on PC and PS No, it's PS4 it's and PS4 and PC, that's correct It's PC PC yeah. It's also on PC Which yes. means you, guys, you can buy it on your laptop if you want I you won't, but right thank you now. for the offer <laughs> Now listen, everybody has claimed that this is the best JRPG to arrive on PC And it's very hard for you not to challenge that because half the Final Fantasies are on PC <laughs> also. Well. Yeah. I can dispute that clearly. I mean, Chrono Trigger yeah. emulated technically is on PC. Oh <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, let's not bring that up again. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, besides that, we also have um, a couple of movies that yeah. came out. We have a pretty good uh, movie and a shite movie and you can try and guess which one is which. And we got a, also a smaller movie involving a witch and uh, yeah, I think this is basically the period where we need to get all of this out of the way before Avengers happens. Yeah, this is yeah. the uh, this is clearing house season pretty much. This is like we make also it got or break some it. TV shows to touch on too, like one or two, like a little bit. Uh, yeah, well, if we have time, if we'll we bring them up a little bit. We probably have to because, like, you know, I think people, especially the fans, will be kind of upset if we don't talk about all the Marvel stuff. Yeah, yeah. because <laughs> it's it's within our contract. If we ever want to get signed by Disney, we have to talk about Marvel shit. You have contracts? <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> And that's a pretty good segue to the first thing we're going to talk about, which is Jessica Jones Season 2. We're going to talk about Jessica Jones Season 2. We're going to keep it short, no worries. Okay, yeah. I already summed up my my thoughts about it. Uh, When did you? Um, No worries, I mean, in my head, in my head. Oh, okay. (laughs) To get ready before we (laughs) Okay, so please, let us into the Mr. Toffee Pro Palace. He has has another podcast going on in his head right now (laughs) (laughs) that we're not invited to. You are invited. Is that what happens when you tune out on the show? (laughs) You start another podcast in your head? Uh, Secrets out, guys. I'm sorry. Where's the link to that one? (laughs) So you guys have seen the first season of Jessica Jones. What do you guys think about it? It's fine. It was, I mean, David Tennant was a really effective villain. And he had probably the best way you kill for villain. And Just then I will a wonderful <laughs> next snap. <laughs> I would also yeah. counter the fact that effective villain can only be deemed effective based on actions. And with a guy with that kind of power, 
He doesn't seem to be doing much. Well, I think mm. it's because he's just a very lazy supervillain. <laughs> he's a very like, fixated supervillain. I mean, like, yeah, I could conquer the world, but I just want to be, man. Which like, is why it's very hard for me to appreciate villains like that. Because the thing is, like, all the greatest villains of all time, the Joker, Lex Luthor, are very motivated people. Yeah, yeah. he's he's definitely like you know he's he hasn't read his motivational poster. He's not had his pick me up coffee in the I'll morning. I'll give him props for a D-lister villain in the for Avengers and Doctor Doom. No, no, no wait. Bad. Okay, like again, you know he's villain. a D-lister just based on his actual comic name. What was it again? The Purple Man. <laughs> What's the other one? Kilgrave. <laughs> <laughs> How equally ridiculous! It's a really ridiculous. ridiculous name. <laughs> yeah, like Purple Man. Mm. <laughs> also, I guess I didn't go for the Purple Man because people are like, "What you mean, Thanos?" No, the other Purple Man. I would the say D-lister Purple Man. <laughs> but the thing you have to also understand, purple is like, wasn't it like a color that was attributed to like homosexuality at one point? Uh, maybe before they appropriated the rainbow. Definitely not for the comics. That's for Mara? sure. Yeah. It was also uh, yeah considered a royal color. So and it mm. has kind of allusions to grandeur. So. Royal purple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh well, I would have loved David Tennant to be a very camp purple man. Yes, just that like that, kill yourself. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be scary? You know, scary and funny at the same time. An evil gay man who could make you do whatever he wanted by just telling you. <laughs> you know what the sad thing That's is? That's every yeah. conservative's nightmare. You All mean Kevin Spacey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the Thanks stuff for the setup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All this is actually more entertaining than the actual second season of Jessica oh Jones, to be honest. Yeah, we're talking about season one and about David Tennant because I ain't seen season two. Really? And I don't care. So here's the question, like, why don't you care? Because as a person of the pop culture, like, commentator hemisphere, yeah, you should have watched this by now. I probably should have watched this by now, but then I remembered I had Fallout 4 in my Steam <laughs> library and I really wanted to play it again. Fallout 4, better than Jessica Jones season two. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a damn good game. It just it got a, it got a lot of shit for yeah. not quite being as free as Fallout 3, but the gameplay so much better. Mm. But Fallout 3 is buggy as fuck, yeah. sir. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's fine, but it's got all of Oblivion's glitches. <laughs> but now with guns. Like a new engine, <laughs> same old problems. Yeah. Oh man, wait, wait till we try Fallout 5. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I I'm sure they announce a 5 in E3 later on. I'm Who pretty knows? sure. It's either yeah. gonna be Fallout 5 or uh, New Vegas 2. Yeah, because the world doesn't need another Elder Scrolls game apparently. <laughs> yeah, since they're re-releasing the last one again. on Switch, like for fuck's sake, <laughs> give me another one. Also, they've announced yet another expansion for uh, the uh, Elder Scrolls Online. What really more cards? Uh, Somerset? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. The actual. No, I think you're thinking of the other game, the, the card game, the Momorpaga. <laughs> the Momorpaga. Oh, the Momorpaga. Oh, oh. Yeah, yes. Somerset Isles. Why? Because uh, didn't they just recently fit Tamriel into that? They fit Morrowind into it recently. Yeah, and, man, yeah, and it's like, wind. really? Why? <laughs> I don't know. So yeah. It's actually doing gangbusters, surprisingly, yeah, after you went free to play. play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I really want to see from the Fallout series? Jumping back to Fallout. Okay. I want to see one set in Europe. Because then you could have all these like crazy like Roman legionaries. You can have all like German shit. Mm. Like uh, New Prussia. Like you have the New California Republic. Have New Prussia. Have all that super militaristic I stuff I can see that on. happening in New Vegas too. Aren't you supposed to be talking about Jessica Jones' voice? I know. <laughs> see, this, see this? How boring Jessica Jones' season 2 is. I think this is, is how we should review Jessica Jones. Is like By talking about other stuff. You'll watch <laughs> it and then you'll start to think of other things you'd rather be doing. Honestly, that was the feeling I got. I swear to God. Oh, and no. I had to power through this film. like from the Power first, through? Yeah, power through. Like yes. Luke Cage's dick. Exactly. Stop it. <laughs> yep, Stop yep. it. <laughs> Bad. No. And Sit. the review is more entertaining than the actual show. Okay, they think about it more. So, like when you actually take away the main villain that made the first season a little bit interesting, 
you have to focus on other villains and other characters turning a 180, like um, Patsy Walker. I, you know that woman who was on the talk show? Oh, Is she the, the Hellcat? The blonde one. Going to be, yeah. They actually allude to that because she actually got powers somehow through a very convoluted uh, setup that introduces Jessica's mother. This is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course yeah, it's convoluted. She will. She will. Of yeah, course. Yeah, she will. And uh, the roided out street cop. Is he back? Uh, no, 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 no. Not okay. This one. No, no. This is like focusing more on Jessica's relationship with her mother who comes what in. What about the skinny black drug addict guy? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's Malcolm. He actually got a character arc. Basically helping out Jessica Jones in her firm as established in the first season. And him coming to terms that he's actually better than her in that sense. So of, course like he's keeping better, of course he's better than her. Like they showed that in the end of season two. So here's the question. How, how, where does he fit in the Infinity War struggle? I have no idea. So probably, why we he'll probably be an Ant who dies why somewhere. We he's focusing. got the Soul Stone. There we go. <laughs> I saw <laughs> <It> his <is> afro. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of sad that, it's, that he's he and Patsy and... Jessica's mom, I guess. They're like... Your side characters are actually more interesting than your plight of your main character per se. Well, it's like how f- far can you stretch? Sorry, how can you? How far can you stretch the alcoholic? Exactly, character? that's the thing. They, I really did feel that even though like the first season had more padding, this one had more, more padding. It's just strange, you know. Like they didn't actually learn their lessons from the first season at all in terms of like, pacing and structure. Who is the big bad evil guy? Supposedly the mom and uh, I, the, 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 that facility that actually is is supposed to keep. That, that gave Jessica's powers in the first place. But so how that got brushed aside, and then it's now focused on Patsy Walker and Jessica's mom. This sounds like a mess. So it this is, is. It is basically Patsy's arc. Yeah. You know what the thing is? She's actually a man, and her super villain name is the Patsyarch. The Patriarch. She's the Patriarch. The, pa- the Patriarchy. Nah, the patronizing Patriarchy. That's oh, what Jessica Jones fans want. You know, some man put us down again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, it's kind of sad. So, I mean, like, the thing is, right, this is hot off the Defenders, yeah. which was a yeah. bit of a hot mess because Iron Fist was a piece of shit. And then, it was like, an entertaining mess at the very least. The when Defenders or Iron Fist? N- not Iron Fist, that's for not sure. Iron Fist. Defenders, uh, defenders. Uh, defenders. Defenders, they came together, they fight. That was actually entertaining. I've, I've heard All some the good stuff. Between, Again, uh, for the switch, I haven't seen that. Neither have I. I've been very bad at keeping up with the Marvel TV shows because there's better stuff on Netflix exactly, to watch. Exactly, exactly. But it's okay if you want to just fast forward to the good fighting bits because that's all you're going to get from Defenders. I'll watch it on YouTube. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, the thing is, you want to watch the good fighting bits of a Marvel show and then you see in your suggestion like feed like, oh, look, a fight from the raid. <laughs> I'll watch that now. I <laughs> <laughs> got that's Netflix. So here's yeah. the thing. Uh, Jessica Jones, does it do anything to continue forward? Like, the thing is, is there any mention of like the Luke Cage love triangle? Is there any mention of what happened in Defenders? No, no. This is all self-contained. This is all about so there's Jessica's no mo- So Danny Ren, Daredevil, these guys don't pop up again. Nope, they don't. So, so it's all self-contained. And setting up Trish Walker as, you know, They're doing the thing villain. which was the main criticism of all the Marvel movies post-Avengers, where they're having all these self-contained stories. Like, where are all the other Avengers? And... That's again, like I mentioned, they're not learning the lesson at all with this. Yeah, maybe I mean, budget constraints or I very least after Age of Ultron, they started like introducing all the other characters because, like, look, this is a shared universe. It makes sense they would kind of you know appear with one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they don't do this anymore. Which I think it's, was the, probably the main problem of the Marvel Cinematic TV verse. I don't know yeah. the Netflix verse because basically, like, you're trying to have all these characters appear in each other's shows, and then like once you instill in the audience a sense that oh, this is part of a bigger. Story, and then the thing is, the problem with a bigger story is you expect bigger outcomes. Yeah, uh, and then like 
when you start to realize that oh we're still within the constraints of a TV budget like yeah we can't really have all these special effects and other superheroes so we gotta actually focus more on plot and story and they, they try their best at the very least I sort of give a shit about Malcolm and all that but that's it honestly I mean there's nothing else to actually make me go hmm I'm gonna invest 13 episodes of my entire time 13 episodes this. Huh? yeah 13, 13. oh Jesus nah, I can't so, sit through that yeah, it's just strange that, you know, Defenders sort of did it right by just having eight episodes, keeping it short. Yeah. This does not. They kind of expect us to be like, oh, we kind of want to give a shit about Jessica and Trish and everything else. And true enough, it does half-assedly la. So. Okay. So I wouldn't recommend this show, but at the very least, if you want if you want to kill off a Saturday, yeah, you could do worse, honestly. You could play Fallout 4. That too, yes. Mm. Okay, so how about this? You give your rating. It's probably a five, just average. Really average? Yeah, really, like really skipping. average. Oh dear. I guess skipping it would be good, but if you just want to find out more like how they can actually stretch this plot further without Kilgrave. Yeah. So this is... Stretching it a bit thin though. Yeah, huh? thin, thin, thin. Yeah, so yeah. this is not the season or the series to get back into the wider Marvel Cinematic... Well, yeah. tele- Televerse, I guess. The Netflix verse. You know like yeah. that feeling you get when you watch Daredevil season two, like the second half, the first half of it before you get sick of the second half? Yeah. I feel the second half of that in Jessica Jones season two. Oh, really? A bit so it's like much. the Electra arc? Okay, not as stupid, but it could have been written well, better, you know, mm. honestly. So it I'm could have been written well. Yeah. What a backhanded comment. It could have been written okay. Well. Okay, <laughs> okay, fine, fine, okay. <laughs> uh, here's the thing, like, the thing is, like, everybody was harping on the fact that Jessica Jones was, like, probably a very mature kind of subject matter for a character because of, like, you know, well, yeah, she's what a she goes survivor. through. Yeah, and then the thing is, like, oh, okay, that's really powerful and, like, intriguing. And then, like, how is Marvel going to handle this? And then the goofy superhero elements come in. <laughs> yeah, it's like they don't marry it well enough. Yeah, and also... Which be- is a lot... We can, it's the same thing we can say about a lot of Marvel movies because like you have very heavy subject matter happening and at the same time, like, oh yeah, it's supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only one where they managed to pull it off almost seamlessly is Civil War. You think? Well, yes, because they, like, the way they handle it feels like it actually fits in with, you know, like, you know, the personalities that they have and also... It's small details like, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Captain America? Yeah, Captain America. <laughs> Your main character. Your old Cap- <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yeah, uh, that dude, whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> Steve Rogers. <laughs> he brings up... Also the boyfriend of Wonder Woman. Of yeah. <laughs> Funny enough. <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> they have the same name. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, well... It would be funny if you just call him. Well, you Sam just realized that? Oh my god! Did you just have a Martha movement? Yeah, you have the same name. Um, what was my point? God damn it! Chris Evans okay. is an amazing yeah. director. Yeah, yeah. So Civil War was nice. Look, this is what he, I'm saying, right? He brings up the Japanese internment during the Second World War as a thing about you know when things go a bit too far when you try to do mm. you know counterbalances, and I thought that was a nice inclusion when they're trying to make. A silly subject matter seem a bit more serious, which was the Scrovia Accords. Okay. And I thought that worked very well. I would say no, the only time they actually pull it off is outside of the Marvel films umbrella. Yeah. Which is probably like like what the Fox people are doing with like uh, the X Men films, the first class. Yeah. Like what they're and Logan. Yeah. Especially well, Logan. Lo- Logan is you know that's this new gold standard for being able to do a <laughs> yeah. serious. Comic that's another Logan. stratosphere already. But yeah. I would say like. In terms of marrying like really strong concepts and a goofy superhero movie would definitely be like 
the sequel to First Class. Oh. Days of Future Past? Yeah. Days of Future Past. Yeah, Days of Future Past did it very Our, well. Even the first one, like First Class, basically, because it's all about prejudice and it's all about, you know, racism of the 60s. Yeah. And then, like, how is like, you know, but they're superheroes. Cool. Yeah. And then they shut the bed with Apocalypse. <sighs> and they're going to shit the bed for the Dark You know Phoenix. what? I will say this about Apocalypse. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing I said about uh, Annihilation. Uh-huh. Very little Oscar Isaac dancing. <laughs> <It's very laughs> That's ap- true. This is very appreciated. <laughs> Although, can you imagine if Apocalypse was just like doing a little jiggy while he was trying to in that the world? suit, especially? <laughs> yeah, especially. And with his giant size. <laughs> yeah, he was just doing a dance, and then no, uh, the four horsemen were just like doing. I the hate to say this. I cannot take Apocalypse in X Men Apocalypse seriously because it's like I had very strong Power Rangers Lord Z vibes. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, you got you got it wrong. He looks so goofy. <laughs> Okay, speaking of... And just a guy wearing blue in the comics, and that usually looks goofy anyway. Like Cyclops, there like Beast, <laughs> like and a lot but of people. He looked good in the uh, little teaser at the end of Days of Future Past. Like, that young apocalypse looked fine. But it was like some Egyptian... Egyptian... Egyptian mission boy. <laughs> yeah, so I'm saying don't cast Oscar Isaac for a guy in a bald uh, cap. Uh... You know what? Yeah, you know who would have been a great apocalypse. Yeah, and would have pulled it off perfectly, especially if you were a fan of the '90s uh, animated show. Mm-hmm. I still say Lawrence Fishburne. He would have yes. been the perfect apocalypse with his voice oh, and his voice, presence. Dude. The voice and oh like, God, yeah. he, like the current Lawrence Fishburne, who's kind of thick, you know? <laughs> <laughs> not not as svelte as he used to be, like as <laughs> Morpheus. He wasn't svelte when he was Morpheus. No, no, but he was like a tough guy, right? Yeah, he was like. And then like, you watch him in Hannibal, and he's like, oh, he's put on a few pounds, uh, he's packing mm-hmm. it in. But if you just like, you know, the, stuck a corset on him and put in the right, <laughs> <laughs> the right costume and armor, like it's like trying to stuff uh, the stuffing into a sausage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, um, wow, we went from yeah, we went from a Marvel property to X back to another <laughs> Marvel property. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we can't escape Marvel. Yeah, no, speaking of which, Avengers is along the way. Yeah, that is next month. Well, here's the thing, right, Last King fans? I propose this. How about as a countdown to Avengers: Infinity War? Would you like your fans, your fans, your friends <laughs> at the Last King podcast to review every single Marvel movie since Iron Man you 1? You want to review Again. all it's a retrospective. 20. All 20. Oh, we're, Jesus. We're going to do The Road to Infinity War <laughs> 2018. Starting off with the... No, but we, do, we won't do each movie. We'll do like... Like each set, we'll so do like, like phase one, all phase the Iron two, Mans, then all the Hulks. So all the phase Force. one would be from Iron Man all the way to Avengers, right? Yes. The first Avengers. Yeah, I think we have time. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not and like we've got many big movies coming out. And here's the thing: all of it available on Netflix for some reason. <laughs> That's true. Thank oh, you, Disney. Suddenly there. <laughs> it seems like the perfect time for us to like capitalize on yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was so tempted to watch Civil War again mm. last night. And speaking of capitalism, Nino Kuni Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was more like regicide. Now and, um, that was one hell of a segue. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you very much. I've been practicing since episode one. <laughs> practicing in the head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> podcast in the head. He's having another podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just suddenly checked in. Like, yep, yep. <laughs> okay, we, don't, we have no time for spin-off shows, but we do have time for another sequel. So Nino Kuni 2 finally arrives on PS4, PC, and Switch. No, no, no. Just PC and PC PS4. And PS4 right? Yeah, just those two. I guess yeah. it's... I uh, uh, maybe the game file is just too big for Switch. Maybe, maybe. Or maybe. But anyway, I got to ask you a question. Have you guys, are you guys familiar with the first Nino Kuni at yeah. the very bit? I, played the I first know one. that he uh, is responsible for his mum dying by falling in a river. That's mm. correct. And it was a Welsh guy with a lantern in his nose. And he came, uh, and he came to terms with his loss. And he had to kill a lot of very cute things. 
Well, I mean, the thing is, the best description of this is, what if Studio Ghibli made a video game? And, like, yeah. and that's what it kind of looks like. I Yeah, I remember watching some gameplay and I thought, oh, this looks cute, but I think it was a Nintendo exclusive. Uh, Actually, it was PS... No, no, it was PS4. a PS3 as yeah. well. PS3. Oh, PS3. Well, I didn't own a PS3, so... It I was during the last legs of the PS3, so it's like... I, I mean, the only competition I had was like Uncharted 3, right? At that time? At the time, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I had a 360, so I didn't play any uh, uh, PlayStation games. So if point. you like your JRPGs, charming, poignant, sweet, yeah, <laughs> Nino okay. Kuni is probably it. I can tell you that Nino Kuni 2, it actually solved that one problem where the gameplay of Nino Kuni 1 was, it was there, but uh, obviously <laughs> the focus... It was there. Yeah, yeah. But the focus is definitely <laughs> on the story. Review, right? Way more story on You that, are the king of good. backhanded compliments. <laughs> oh no, the combat was there. So <laughs> <The> interaction <laughs> was... Present. <laughs> the controls were working. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now. The story go, was. To go back to part two, they kind of did available. A, they did a bit of a flip, per se. Uh -huh. They did a bit it's of a flip. A light, I mean, I would say the so story the is now up his ass. has a hell of a lot more gameplay. <laughs> 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 okay. I don't know. <laughs> Where are we going? Okay, sorry. So it's like a light bump. It's like, like a light bump. <laughs> a light bump. <laughs> Pumping light bulbs <laughs> up his ass. <laughs> what are you I talking about? I like bug. That's light like the X-rated. Oh, there, there we go. Bug. There you go. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the tales of eccentric Trump's little glow friend. <laughs> <laughs> so in Nino Kuni 2, is it a continuation from the first game? Uh, no, but it's in the same universe. Oh, of course. A uh, new story uh, focused on a little kid who is supposed to be king, who got deposed by his rat advisor in this kingdom called Ding Dong Dell. Like an also actual rat or he's just ratty in nature? Actual rat. There you of go. Of course, <laughs> never trust a rat. And then along the way... <laughs> That's a bananas in pajamas <laughs> reference. Nice one. <laughs> and helping, okay, and helping the little boy build his new kingdom, Revenant Kingdom, I might add. Of course. Is um, this guy named Roland who was actually the president of the United States in the alternate Earth, more or less. What? Okay, you know like how Nino Kuni has like two worlds working with each other? Like so is Ronald Reagan? Ronald Reagan is helping a little kid I think it's more part. like... Um, Ronald McDonald? <laughs> I think it's more like John F. Kennedy, but uh, knows how to use a sword. Okay, so was he busting unions and forcing all uh, the mentally disabled out into the streets? I don't know, because no, at the he first wasn't. He was having Ronald sex Reagan reference. That's Ronald Reagan. Yeah. He was having sex with Marilyn Monroe with a light bulb on his ass. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but in the first five minutes, his city was nuked by a missile and then he disappears into the Nino Kuni universe. Okay, so this is the universe where Kennedy fucks up the nuclear, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Most likely, most You know likely. what? Miss Opportunity, you could have just called it the Nino Kuniverse. Nino Kuniverse. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So oh, yeah, no. the Kuniverse. Yes, that's when he appears. <laughs> that sounds racist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Keep saying it. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> if you're offended by the Kuniverse, I'm sorry. But please let us know what race you are so we know who we're offending. <laughs> So what so, happens in the game? Okay, basically after you get after the kid gets deposed, they escape the palace and all that. He has a, he ha he kind of wants to fulfill the wish of his dying friend mm -hmm. to actually build his own kingdom, and oh, that's okay. pretty much the story. Him going around forging alliances with different characters and kingdms while trying to solve this Nino Kuni verse world apocalypse that's gonna happen. So gameplay wise, what is added or what is different now? Oh, the combat is so much different. Oh really? Yeah? It's now a bit more like uh, Tales of Legendia, Tales of Vesperia kind of combat. The Imagine tales of, Diablo 3-ish, okay. uh -huh. except in a third-person perspective. Like Torchlight. In a way, in a way, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But to Torchlight's isometric. No, to 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 Torchlight is isometric, yes. This is more like third-person combat. 
Like Fable. Yeah, yeah, like Fable. Okay. Okay. But actually more fun because you actually get to switch around different weapons. You get to use spells, elemental powers, and uh, very arcadey per se. Um, and then you got the character switching going on. In case you don't want to use Roland, you want to use uh, the boy, Evan, by the way. Mm-hmm. Evan Petty Whiskers something something. I forgot his, his name. His name is Petty Whiskers? Yes, his surname is, is Petty Whiskers. Yes. Half human, <laughs> half cat. No, no. Half human, half cat. With a British kid accent. Of course. Hello. Of I'm, course. I'm a little pussycat. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, you nailed his voice right in the head. It's like that. You nailed it. You nailed it, Shafi. It's like the Welsh Tom. kitty that we had in uh, Add more determination Blade. to the voice. Hello, eccentric Tom. It's me, Eddie Redmine. <laughs> Please, sir. Can I have some Nino Cooney? <laughs> May I have Cooney some more? No, 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 Stop it, stop it. <laughs> Why is Mr. Bean in this universe? <laughs> so, gameplay-wise, it's definitely improved. Mm-hmm. For one, combat's more arcadey, more action-y okay. compared like to the first one. It sounds like there's like base building and resource management involved. There is, actually. You oh. actually get to build your own little Nino Kuniverse kingdom. Okay, and yep. you have to like assign settlers, you have farms, yes, mines. Yes, in turn-based, I mean, more like menu kind of base assignments, you know, like in your... Like Shadow of War. Civ six. <laughs> Oh, like Civ Six. Hmm, okay. Okay. You build your cities. You assign your citizens to whoever they're good at, whatever they're good at. Like if they're good at making magic, they can actually build up your magic academy, level up your spells, and get more powerful spells as a result when you fight. Okay. And what what are the mechanics like in that regard? Are they solid? Are they a bit lackluster, shallow? Oh no, it's actually okay. It might seem basic at first, and then you will you realize you actually have to recruit your citizens through different side quests. And that's pretty much your crux right but there, building like out your city and all that. It's really good busy work in a way. I mean, RPGs by nature, they've got that whole grinding that's element true, to yeah. it. But this one makes it a bit more entertaining because you're going to different places. Fast travel is very welcome here because every spot, not just in the dungeon itself, like not, you, not from the entrance and exit for the fast travel bit, like in between, you, there's even fast travel portals in between the dungeons, which is good. Okay. In case you have to go back to go to a specific spot to... You know, do your side quests. I see. Okay. You just go there really quick. All right. Because right. I know most RPGs, like from the, you only have your, just that one fast travel spot. That's it. Mm-hmm. And also, there's also like a, there's also even like a little battle mode called skirmish, where you have like little armies fighting against sc- scores of enemies depending on your military power. Ooh. Okay. Kind of think of it like a basic total war kind of game, like your combat bits. Now. I'm a big critical of games which try to include these kind of uh, real-time strategy elements because unless you have someone who's got a dedicated team behind it, they tend to be really weak. It's more like, basic than weak because like, it's still following a uh, triangle system, rock, paper, rock, scissors, paper, scissors yeah. thing. And positioning matters. And then if you hide in the bush, people can't see you. Okay, so and it's it's like, uh, what's that Tim Schafer game? Uh, Brutal, Legend. Brutal Legend. That's yeah. pretty messy, but it's ambitious. It's terrible though. Yeah. Mm. This one's more like basic, but at the same time, you can still have some fun because you actually get items and stuff if you win, if you level up your troops and all that. Okay. Plus, it's kind of integral to the story because at a point in time, you actually have to be at level 20. For your armies have to be at level 20 at one point this to sound- actually get through the story. This sounds like uh, Galaxy Preparedness from Mass Effect 3. Uh, yeah, not, 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 not bad, not bad. Really? Let's see. Uh, this is, how do you say, like... Um, it's there. It's kind of optional after that level twenty bit. It's there, it's kind of optional. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's actually welcome. It actually fits with the whole kingdom building, army building up your whole uh, new revenant kingdom mechanic per se. It all kind of ties in together, which is good. Okay, but it doesn't feel like you have to do it to kind of get the good ending. I think there's just one ending for this. That's yeah, for sure. I think so. yes. oh, okay. But at Fair the same enough. time, it's fun. 
I mean, I actually had a lot of fun playing this. Uh, I mean, I'm only like 15, 16 hours into it. So the first 1% of the game? No, 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 no. This is actually half. No, I was told by my friends. not huge at all. Yeah, yeah. No? No. According, the first one was pretty big. According to my pals who actually finished it, they actually went through it about 30 hours. Yeah, 30 35. Hours. It's very, That's very short. It's a very medium-sized JRPG. But the thing is, I think it, it's not really selling you so much on the gameplay, more on the story. And on the, the cutesy stuff. Yeah, it's actually selling you more on the Ghibli aesthetics and its quaint little story. But and the gameplay more. It actually sells on the gameplay a bit more. Was Judy Ghibli at all involved, or is it just that this heavy influence? Not Only really. the two guys, uh, Joe yeah. Hisaishi for the music and the create the character creator, the character designer. That's okay. It. So they're the only alumni. All done by level five. Oh, I see. Okay. But like basically, I think like the main developer, the name is Kip. Level five, level five. Uh, yeah. But the guys. Who I think did. basically they were thinking themselves like, you know what? Everybody's been asking for it. What if Studio Ghibli made an RPG? Yeah, because they, they could never get Miyazaki to say to do it. He probably like video game. Uh, <laughs> oh no, he is like that. And I mean, when he saw Nausicaa under the wind in the PC game a long time ago, he hated, he hated the shit out of it. Yeah, mm. yeah. So he it is, took him quite a while. He's very much he... like Ellen Moore. He cannot see his works adapted anywhere else. What? Well, no, he's just a bitter old man who makes really sweet movies. And he's Japanese yeah. too, <laughs> and he's a tyrant to the people who works under him. What a surprise! Very, just, very high just, expectations. He could have just said he's Japanese, and I would have got that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Oh well, shall yeah. we talk about all the Ghibli suicides? Anyway, okay, let's not, <laughs> let's not talk about it. Uh, so, what's your final uh, review score? I'd say I'll give this an eight. It's actually eight? really fun. I okay. mean, granted, story is a bit light, but I think they actually want to do it that way. They want to keep the story simple, make Evan like this likable little kid, despite the fact that he's a he's a dictator in the making. To be honest, but the game mechanics are strong enough to they're strong enough to that. actually entertain you guys. I mean, okay. Traffic, you might actually enjoy this because it's shorter than most RPGs. No padding, thankfully. I mean, the thing is, I really liked the first one. <laughs> I was a fan. Okay, okay, then maybe you might hold some reservations. It's one of the few maybe. times when it's like, you know what? I'll allow a bit of a, a bit of a whimsy. Yeah, okay. I the, the charm is still there. Yeah, don't your, get me wrong. The dark, broken scar. <laughs> will allow a little bit of. No, no, the charm levity. is the charm is still there. But when it comes to like telling its story, it's definitely missing all that. You know, like establishing a lot more of the lore than it should. Those those bits, yeah. And uh, that's the part I don't care about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it goes straight to the fighting, it goes straight to the castle building, it goes straight to the skirmishes, everything. Like a game. Oh. And even, there's even like a Nephilim Riff uh, random dungeon mode in the game as well. Nephilim Riff? Um, sorry, let me explain a bit further. There's a side quest where you actually have to go through a mirror where there are like random dungeons. You have to go through like maybe three sections before you fight the final boss or four or five. You can heal, but you cannot save in between. And the difficulty will increase over time when you're longer in dungeon. So it's kind of like the labyrinth in Revenge of Shinobi. Actually, it's more like <laughs> it's more like a Nephilim Rift in Diablo Three, except or it's, or it's like Ariandel in Dark Souls Three. In a way, in a way, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Or it's like the entire of Hellblade. <laughs> <laughs> and also, this might be a detriment to some. There's no difficulty option here, and the game can wow. get pretty easy actually. Mm. Especially but when you know this is if you're focused on uh, weapon building and spell building in your castle. But this is definitely more young focused. Definitely. So yes, yes. I yeah. mean, that I, that's something that I can tahan. I'm not gonna you know like belittle the game for not having a difficulty. Exactly. Setting, exactly. But it's in for kids. The mechanics are really fun. It's just that maybe for a DLC or a future free patch. Maybe put in hard mode or one I hit in your dead so mode. I don't think they'll do that. Kind it, of I don't think it would fit. Like I mean, it's just it's just for people who Nino play Kuni. RPGs. I mean, even on the original Nino Kuni didn't get any DLC per se. No, I mean, but the thing is, as a standalone game, I mean, it worked well. So, it's obvious like a sequel was definitely, sh yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, it's the in same the world, and they don't follow. I mean, the same world with its own story, which is nice. I kind of appreciate it being its own thing. Okay. So I'm kind of happy that we get another Nino Ni no Kuni game. And now on PC. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Speaking of uh, standing on its own, uh, we have one more film. Well, we have a couple of films, but there's a film that Shafiq and I watched. Ooh, what's Monday. that? What's that? It's Seven Days in Entebbe, so, wow, a bit of a left turn. <laughs> it's still a segue, goddammit. <laughs> From a fantasy <laughs> world to a real world. Yeah. <laughs> From the Kuniverse to Uganda. <laughs> the Ugandaverse. <laughs> no. So, anyway. uh, we watched this on Monday. Thank you once again to Show Cinema for... Yeah, thank you for letting us, uh, you know, for sponsoring us the tickets. Yeah, coming into our their very rapture-like uh, preview screening. Yeah, it's a pretty cinema. Yeah, it's a very pretty cinema, but definitely very 80s. <laughs> very Singapore 80s. Now, now. Okay. Yeah, I was alive then. <laughs> I, appre- I appreciate the aesthetic. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of something that happened a long time ago. Yeah, this is about a very famous hijacking which took place in 1976 when an Air France flight was hijacked by members of the. By the Meinhof? Uh, no. Uh, I thought the German people had no, it's affiliations. No, it's, right? it's a revolutionary cell, which is the name of the group from mm. Germany. And the PLFP. Okay, which is the Palestinian guys, right? But the Palestinian. Uh, the Palestinian Lebanese no it's the it's the popular front for the liberation of Palestine mm. PFLP and uh, they just uh, they hijacked this plane flying from Tel Aviv to Paris and they fly down to Entebbe in Uganda because mm-hmm. got because the Ugandan dictator at the time Idi Amin mm-hmm. was sympathetic to the Palestinian cause and let them uh, shack up in the old terminal and this film is about them trying to force the Israeli government to free some of their leaders and in return, you know, they were released. I mean, prisons. I didn't think they specified leaders, like just political prisoners. No, it's it's six uh, significant leaders of the PLFP. Okay. And also members of the revolutionary cell. Mm. Specifically, oh yeah, because there was, because you said the Meinhof group, because yeah. uh, Ulrike Meinhof is one of the people that they were trying to release, but she dies. She kills herself in jail, apparently. Well, kills herself, ex- mm. uh, quotation yeah. marks. But they never really clear it in real life, right? Uh, we're not sure to the state of mind of killed herself. Yeah, I'm or not. sure it was suicide. No, wait, I'm sure it wasn't suicide. Yeah, right? I mean, even in Western Germany, we're pretty hardcore. So the film's focus is on. It's on two fronts. It's on the uh, the hostage situation himself on the ground level, and mm-hmm. then flies all the way to Israel where Yitzhak Rabin is in his cabinet and they're trying to decide the motion of actions. Yeah, it's uh, Rabin versus uh, Perez, Shimon Perez, Shimon who Perez, was yeah. at the time the Minister for Defence. And it was, Perez was definitely a very hard line, you know, we must constantly be fighting because Israel is on the brink of destruction, we must fight, fight, fight. Whereas Rabin's more like, we have to stop fighting, otherwise we're just going to burn everyone. Because all our neighbours are enemies, we need to fight a peaceful resolution. Mm-hmm. And so you have that fight going along, Wales trying to save something like 140 uh, Israeli uh, citizens. On that plane, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and then it ends with the most successful, this is a spoiler, but look, this is something that's happened in real life, so, yeah. you know, whatever. It's the most successful and famous uh, Israeli commando mission of all time, mm-hmm. where 100 Israeli commandos are flown from Israel down to Uganda, which is 4,000 kilometers, by the way. They flew down with cars and everything, uh, killed all of the hijackers, some of the um, Ugandan soldiers who were fighting, and then flew back, losing only one commando and four of the um, And a very hostages. specific c- commando. Yes. Uh, the man who died was uh, Yonatan Netanyahu. Brother of? 
Benjamin Netanyahu, current Prime mm-hmm. Minister of Israel. Oh, and so you might yeah. understand why he hates Palestinians so much. Okay. <laughs> no, I think he would hate the, the Air France more. <laughs> well, that too. He's just a bitter, angry man who should be in jail for corruption charges. And a lot of other things. And too. genocide, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to go down this path. I'm not going down so, this path. Uh, here's the thing. Um, the thing is, for a movie that is maintaining some historical accuracy, but at the same time doing its best to entertain by adding some dramatic elements. Yeah, yeah. So there's a framework that occurs within the film where um, the girlfriend of one of the soldiers mm-hmm. is part of this uh, dance troupe. Mm-hmm. And then, like, basically, it's, it's a very minuscule side story. In fact, it's like it's not even part of the major arc. But yeah, it's like a completely tangential thing which is happening. Yeah, but at the same time, it's um, I mean, there's probably not say a weakness, but I mean, it's an interesting framing element. This but is the one part where I think we do disagree. Where I yeah. felt like it didn't really have a part, whereas you think that for me it was necessary because then yeah. if you had the girlfriend of the soldier, you humanize the soldier. True. Because like for me. It would have been a real problem if these uh, commandos appeared and we had no idea about their personality or maybe even their motivations. Because yeah. like, if, if it just seems like a bunch of cold-hearted killers coming into the night to murder like all these hijackers and rescue all these people, right? So it's like, yeah, it's a little bit kind of... I you want to build your character so that when I mean, he dies, say, I, I don't want a bit of character. I just want... I don't want them to be dehumanized uh-huh. because they I need, want these commandos to be... There needs to be emotional death. And like, yeah. Yeah, this is not just, you know... Uh, like stormtroopers pretty much these are it's not like some black water operation yeah, yeah like they're actual humans who are like and you know there's actually a bit of uh, tension between the soldier and his girlfriend because they're saying she's saying why do you have to fight and he said well it's my what? job yeah. yeah who else will I'm doing this for the survival of my country and oh, no, but I think basically yeah. it's, he's doing it for us yeah because this is what I have yeah, to do yeah he's saying I fight so you can dance mm-hmm. which I mean, I'm not a fan of that argument which is what a lot of soldiers uh, use yeah, to kind of go. justify stuff but but here's the thing, I mean, like, um, as a movie that, you know, is trying to retell historical events, I think I mean, one thing that uh, me and Tom kind of agree on is that it does enough to not be too biased. But if it did choose a bias, or if at least it decided to be a little bit more, how you say, um, I would say, more direct with what yeah. it wants to tell, if it had a bit of a message. Yeah, the thing is that yeah, yeah. Um, what I will definitely applaud is that it tries to say, look, everyone has merit on both sides of the argument because mm-hmm. you have these Israelis who are saying, you know, we're a new nation beset by enemies, we need to do what we can to survive. Okay, fine. But then you have, you spend some time with the Palestinians and there's this one guy where, you know, he was forced, his family was forced from their land which they'd had for hundreds of years. They went to a refugee camp he watched his entire family in a car get crushed by an Israeli tank. Mm. Yeah. And he's doing this because he has nothing else left to live for. And he even admits, look, I know these Israelis, like these hostages, have nothing to do with this wider struggle. Mm. But I have to do what I can because I love my country and I don't want to see Palestine disappear. Which is where I would really uh, commend uh, Brule. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Brule was honestly, uh, I think, a real shiny example here. He's, I think, a very underrated actor. Definitely. Yeah. He wasted his Zemo. Yeah. I mean, he should <laughs> have Amazing done, as Nicky Lauder. Oh, yeah. Mm. But here, because he's this very nebbish uh, bookseller who has... Uh, like, he's a standard bourgeois communist. Yeah. Okay, okay. He's got time to sit around and think all these radical thoughts because he's not spent enough time looking at what actually happens when you have a full uh, Bolshevik revolution. You know what's the funny thing is? The parallel is he's literally a social justice warrior. Yeah. (laughs) He picks up a gun and decides to do some social justice. Yeah. But you can see that slowly as the hostage situation develops. It's in over his head, right? Yeah. He's in over his head and also he gets very uncomfortable because 
You'll notice he's German. Mm-hmm. And they are corralling Jews okay. into a they small bring that dark up space. A few times. Oh, yeah. and there's a scene where he has to confront this, so comfort this uh, old German woman who I think she's meant to have uh, Alzheimer's or something because she's actually. She starts to freak out, yeah. And yeah. then it's revealed that she's actually. She's got uh, an Auschwitz. Uh, she's got a, she's oh, a Holocaust man. survivor, which I don't know. Was was that did that happen? Is that the dramatic part that was added in? Uh, that's probably a dramatic part which is added in. But yeah. then there's also the element where he's talking to the other uh, German hijacker, Rosamund Pike, <laughs> saying like, "We are being Nazis now. I don't like this." And she said, "Look, we have to be Nazis to do this." And it's you know this kind of philosophical philosophical yeah. argument, yeah. sorry, between okay, you know okay. how far do you go to do what you think is the right thing, and you know do you lose yourself along the way. I think like what I want to say in general about this entire movie, right, is like I love the fact that okay, it's very rare for us to bring up something that happened so long ago, but it's still relevant today. Yeah, and it's a battle of ideologies, true. But unfortunately, when it comes to especially this topic, right, you you can't be one or the other side because yeah, because I we're still suffering the remnants of this bullshit. It is, and you. It ha- you have to be very careful when you talk about this situation because it's super, super sensitive and you have diehard nuts on both sides of the arguments. <laughs> yeah. So and do you think they tread this line fine? They, 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 that's the thing. Yeah, they it, tread it, it fine. Tread it, but that's all we can commend it on. Yeah, and so I feel like I might have respected the film a bit more if it tried to add a bit of its own personal thing of this is what I think. Yeah, what's the message? What's the but voice? The problem is that if they wanted to get the film made, they probably have to go pro-Israel, and then I would have definitely, you know, had my issues. If they were anti-Israel, there probably would have been some outcry from the Israeli government. Netanyahu would have decried it. There would have been. It would have, it would have gotten more. I don't know, but th- that's the yeah. thing. It's because, like, especially when you want to do these kind of topics. I mean, I salute the director and the filmmakers and the actors for their bravery in yeah. like uh, attempting this kind of subject matter. And I also kind of have to commend the fact that, you know, it's not about who's right or who's wrong. It's about lives and humanity and how it's like, you know, every, it's, you can't blame, like, it's the sins of the fathers, you know? Yeah, pretty much. And like, like, there's a scene where basically Idi Amin tells everybody, okay, if, you, if the demands are not met, we shall kill all the children, starting with these two. And yeah. then you realize, right, like, yeah, but they're innocent. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, then I mean it basically this is how I felt when I watched like Three Billboards mm-hmm. where hate begets hate yeah, yeah yeah and in the end of it all is like you know yeah this is so pointless if only hum- if only us as a species knows how to just get along yeah it's one of these movies which make you really just want to say everyone involved in the current crisis just sit down and say look just you're not leaving this room until you find a piece of a solution yeah but that'll and never happen yeah because you first have to take away all the sharp objects <laughs> there you go uh, one there are a few criticisms I think um, Idi Amin he was fine the actor yeah but you have to compare him to Forrest Whitaker from <laughs> Last King of Scotland <laughs> and you know that was one hell of a performance and for him he's my Idi Amin I feel so weird saying <laughs> that <laughs> he's your Idi Amin actually the best film version of Idi Amin is Idi Amin himself your, your, your yeah. favourite dictator <laughs> something no. <laughs> okay. Paul Potts my favorite. No. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Mine's, wow. is, mine's is Hitler. There's so many like, you know, fan fiction. <laughs> you never forget Hitler. He was my favorite bad guy in like the the, <laughs> the Wolfenstein games. <laughs> oh yeah. Make a Hitler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. He got punched by Raphael and Ninja Turtles too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there you go. But he did a good job, but it's just that but he didn't he didn't have a large role in this film, but I feel like he was slightly more involved in real life. Yeah, I felt mm-hmm. that too, right? Yeah. 
Because the thing is, like, how he gets swayed is basically through a phone call. Yeah. You know, by, like, Secretary of Defense or something, right? Uh, no, by... One of the generals, right? Yes, it's one of the uh, yeah. perm staff. So he's like, basically, hey, Idi Amin, friend, don't do this. And he's like, no. <laughs> I shall do it. And then he's like, uh, but think, you could be... like. Then he plays to his ego. Spoilers mm-hmm. again. Yeah. But basically, you could be the, the savior of all these people. And then, okay, I'll let everyone go except the juice. Okay. <laughs> it's like... Alright <laughs> Sounds good Yeah <laughs> And uh, I mean Other than that Rosamund Pike Again was She did a good job Yeah Her descent to madness Was very believable Yeah mm. But it's The descent of madness Which we've seen before I mean she's mm. not doing Anything here That she didn't do In Gone Girl I agree But it was serviceable is that Oh no it was More than serviceable She is a fantastic actor But you know Compared to Daniel Brühl Who was really Just you know like yeah, the the conflict is real. He and you dominated uh, the movie, and especially his interactions with one of the pilots. Yeah. Where the pilot's telling him like, "Look, don't you think you're wasting your time? Yeah. No, right now, ten plumbers. No, one plumber is worth ten revolutionaries. An engineer is worth fifty revolutionaries. You are not solving anything, pretty much. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I, l- I appreciated that about. So yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Serviceable because this whole thing is basically just serviceable. Yeah. I mean, it's a. We spent most of this review talking about what happened and pits we like because it's very hard to say this is an amazing movie. It's a good movie, yeah. But it didn't go that extra step to go. Oh my god, you have to watch this. I mean, like if you had to compare it to anything, like say Spielberg's Munich. Oh yeah, which had a lot to say. Well, absolutely. Well, you know. But then again, uh, at the same time, it's like you can't expect that kind of intensity from something like this. Yeah. Because it doesn't even have even a quarter of the budget, I think. I don't. But also, like another thing like, I'm a little bit disappointed in is basically like you know four of the hostages did not survive the raid, and it's not shown. It's kind of brushed over. Yeah, it's like because the actual raid itself in the film is very short. I think it's maybe five minutes long. Yeah, they made it look too clean. Yeah, mm. I think I honestly feel that that's where their budget started to run a little dry, so mm. they tried to rush it. But they only show Netanyahu being killed, and of course all the. Um, Hostage takers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they just briefly mentioned, like, you know, that standard uh, uh, before credits scroll talking about everything that happened. They said, oh, four hostages died, but we don't see the hostages die. It's like, this feels disrespectful. And at the same time, you think to yourself, so how did they die? Was it a mistake by the soldiers? Did the Ugandan guards misfire? Or yeah, I mean. Did they just run up into the middle of a crossfire? Yeah, and there are a few other things which I feel like they could have maybe spent a bit more time on. Like, I feel like Perez was a bit underdeveloped you think he was they focused so much on his hawkishness that they felt like because they mentioned in the film that he becomes less hawkish and a bit more pro-peace mm. but they're not indicating whether it was after these events or because of these events he starts becoming a bit more peaceful or was it because Rabin finally talked some sense into him I don't know I think it's basically like no, I mean he did work his way through the bureaucracy very cleverly yeah, yeah, yeah. by not by like you know going past him and then going straight to the general sometimes. Yeah, but also at the same time it's like you know I mean, like for me one of the f- my favorite performances is the guy who played Robin. It's like yeah, that he doesn't seem like the monster yeah. he's supposed to be. Well, because Robin was actually a fairly good prime minister who unfortunately was killed for trying to you know solve this fucking problem. <laughs> yeah, by a Jewish extremist. Yep. So there you go. Mm-hmm. He, he has Malcolm X disease. Yeah, but he definitely presented this image of a man who was trying his very level best and was so goddamn tired mm-hmm. but he knows that he can't stop he can't give up because 
he's a politician who believes he's doing a public duty. He's not doing it because he wants power or influence. Yeah. Because he wants to serve his country. That's why I appreciate like that very yeah. discreet nobility that he has, like served his office. Yeah, with. this kind of quiet dignity which he carries, mm. even when he's wearing kind of schlubby clothes. It's like hey. this is a man that we can. Well, it's probably very hot in that room. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's just smoking and sweating. <laughs> yeah, the seventies was a bad time. Air conditioning wasn't invented yet, apparently. <laughs> So, so th- what will your final rating be for this film? A uh, seven, I would say. I would say yeah, seven, seven and a half. It's it, it's on a technical level, it's fine. Story wise, if you remove the true el- elements, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and there were definitely elements where the where there's a lot of good cinematography and some good uh, sound uh, engineering going on. Okay. Whereas I was syncing up with some action beats, which I thought was very good. Mm. Like when they were like drum beats, and I was adding to like the the. Yeah, yeah short especially cuts, doing like, the rail. Yeah, mm. okay, and it okay. was using a traditional Israeli folk song, which I thought was very, very effective. Oh, the soundtrack stood out to you. No, oh, yeah, but I can't find it anywhere online. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's fine. It's a fine film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than it's worth a watch if you want to watch it. But I'm not saying you have to rush out to see it. Mm. I think for those who are. Histori- well, historian buffs, all that, or anyone who wants I'm to find sure out about find that their problems with Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, here's my thing. I'm a big history buff, and I, I will admit that, yes, a lot of films are historically inaccurate because if you try to show it in a film, the film will be three days long, usually, mm-hmm. because there's so much minute shit which happens in historical things that you can't include everything. So, yeah, that was uh, our review of Seven Days in Entebbe. <laughs> so, at the beginning of the episode, I said that we're reviewing two films that Shafiq and I watched. Uh, one was pretty good, the other one was shite. <laughs> now, no we, prizes, yeah, if you can guess. We gave a good score to Seven Days in Entebbe. Yes, so, um, so, how can we get. So, how low can you go with literally? So, we're basically balancing out the podcast with the good with something bad. The right? good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> ugly as a kaiju. Ay. So uh, let's talk about the setup of Pacific Rim Uprising. It's 10 years in the future. Mankind has more or less recovered, uh, but there's still kaiju bones everywhere. And then we follow Jake Pentecost, who is a son of Stacker Pentecost. What a fucking letdown of a name, isn't that? Like, <laughs> yeah, from something as awesome as that to I just Jake. It's just so <laughs> stupid, like Stacker Pentecost. No, here's the thing, I can imagine in the delivery room when like mother is like holding baby in arm and then like Idris Elba walks in, I shall name and my she's like, son. No, no. <laughs> now he, he probably has something cool and biblical. Yeah. Like he shall be Ezekiel Pentecost. And I then like- I was Ezekiel too. Yeah. Really? Oh, we spent too much time oh. together. Ezekiel. Aww, we're supposed to watch it together. Huh? So yeah. And then like mom is like, nah, let's name it after my grandfather, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, he shall be Jake, the one son, the black sheep, the one I shall be most disappointed in. Mm-hmm. And I was right. Yeah, like I, I had more love for my adopted Japanese daughter. Yeah, didn't mm-hmm. mention him at all in the first movie, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, and they tried to shoehorn that exactly, like, canon in, rewrite it. <laughs> yeah. First Pacific Rim. This is my amazing uh, adopted Japanese daughter. You shall be training with her. She's got all the martial arts and an amazing backstory. What? Other children? No, 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 no. Who am I? She was just the one. She was just the one we found. I have no son. I have no son. No son who is in another franchise (laughs) (laughs) at this very moment. Yeah. So yes, John Boyega, who we've all discovered, unfortunately, can't carry a film. I mean, he has promise, but yeah, at the same time, he's not strong. He's good as a wider whole, but like on him by himself I mean maybe he's just a bit too young or a bit not practiced enough we don't know I don't think so because the thing is like Mark Hamill 
couldn't carry a film, but hey, I still like him in Luke Skywalker. You know what I mean? There's nothing definitive about this character because he kind of comes off like he's got that bullshit Disney prince disease that kind of general aloofness yeah you know like yeah. he just jokes off all the serious situations and he's just so one note that you don't really feel like but that's just a stick we have these days where everything has to be kind of comedic kind of undercut we can't have proper dramatic moments which is the problem because when he does the big oh my dad gave a speech the last time how did you know you weren't there <laughs> And then, now I shall not give a speech. I'm not my father, but let me speech anyway. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, now uh, we take you seriously. Yeah, it's like uh, those things I watch every when I say, oh, I wrote a speech, but I'm not going to read it. I'm going to start talk for 10 minutes from another speech <laughs> I read. <laughs> from another podcast in my head. <laughs> there you go. Hey, call back. So what's the story? Uh, basically, they're still Jaegers for some reason. Like, because they might come back. But According no, to one you'll character. Never, yeah. You'll never know. Yeah, yes. one character, but everyone says, oh, they're not going to come back. So, so why do you still have these extremely expensive projects? Like, They're not effective uh, like uh, crime stoppers. As we saw in the first scene. Yeah, because in the first it literally scene where you have this tiny little uh, Jaeger running away from a bigger Jaeger. I think that's more cost efficient than the bigger Jaeger. Yeah, like, think of it. The bigger Jaeger does nothing about like, stop where you're going. Stop it. Stop it. I need Get to back here. <laughs> And like I mean, this part where he goes, really? <laughs> Just like this big booming voice. This is what I want to say. Like, I want to, like, because, like, how they name all the kaijus. Okay, so a little Jaeger to me would be like a Kinder Jaeger. Yeah. And then like, the bigger one is, of course, a Jaeger Meister. Of yep. course. And what happens when a Jaeger does an elbow drop? It's a Jaeger bomb. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> so nothing Which but is what this film is. Nothing. Yay. <laughs> so there you go. It's nothing but set up and Jaeger <laughs> jokes from now on. <laughs> John Boy Jaeger. Yeah. <laughs> so, long story short, that uh, the Jaeger's going to be replaced by droids. The droids go wrong. Turns out there was someone from the inside. It's who's so topical, to huh? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. who's making these droids, sir? Uh, some random Chinese woman. You can just just say China. Yeah, China. <laughs> China in itself. Chinese military company. Did they even state it was part of government it's or like, anything? No, it's just like this private company okay. called Shao Enterprises. Shao Enterprises. Like, yes. but since we know how China actually operates, it's probably some party. It's company. like. Foxconn, just see yeah. it. <laughs> Foxconn. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the one of the very few positive moments I think we'll talk about is the twist. Okay. Where it turns out the guy who's trying to bring back the kaiju is Charlie Day. Who, who is a Newt, Newt, Newt the scientist. Yeah, Newt the scientist who, remember, in the first uh, film helped uh, solve the issue of where they were coming from and tried to... By plugging into the kaiju's brain. Yeah. In the last part of the first film. And then that, that gave him that so-called secret link to the precursors, yeah, like who, the yeah. aliens, yeah. who invade his brain and try to try to open up the rift again. Yeah, yeah, sleeper agents, I guess. Yeah. that's how it so works. So all the droids bring back three kaiju, and so they have to stop these last three kaiju fighting in Tokyo. Uh, but you know, during the droid attack, most of the Jaegers got killed, so there are only four left, including yeah, the pilots. The original yeah. pilots were dead. No too. pilots left apart from like these trainees which are you know part of the movie for some reason we have one last fight scene and then we end with a snowball fight on the <laughs> side of Mount Fuji much like the end of Witcher 3 yeah <laughs> kinda yeah, so yeah. here's the thing all these exciting things you're talking about only occur in the last half hour of this that film that is so much goddamn padding there's a whole side story with this tiny little hacker girl played by some L- let's call her Spunky Brewster yeah, Spunky, okay, Spunky Brewster. Brewster. Yeah. yeah, Spunky Brewster is found by uh, John Boy Jaeger. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna call him Lacker Elba. <laughs> Lacker Elba. 
Oi. So uh, you're keeping to the conventions of the naming conventions. So Spunky anyway. Brewster and Lekka Elba. Lekka Elba. Yeah, they uh, get picked up after trying to run away with this uh, little Jaeger because it's apparently illegal to not have your own Jaeger. Of course. Like, Obviously, in this world, we're better at Jaeger control, but not gun control. <laughs> what needs guns orphan control, you? yeah. In orphan control? Yeah. Nope. You, you can control orphans. They're called condoms. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> boys and girls. Anyway, so, I mean, like, we're brushing over a lot of things, right? So, I mean, you did mention padding. Way more padding than what these girls were wearing on their shirts. Hey. So, A, uh, basically, if you like shows like Gundam Endless Waltz, where you like to see kids in charge... Yeah, this might be the kind of movie. This might be your film. If you like Shark Boy and Lover Girl, where kids kick ass and save the day, like Spy Kids as well. Yeah, this might be the film for you because basically all the very adult and very mature themes that was present in the first film are completely removed. Because completely removed. Yeah. (laughs) Because also remember, whilst the first movie had its problems, but it was dumb fun. Part of it was that it was brutal when it needed to be. Yeah, yeah. And Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. Okay, Dabul. Yeah. Del Toro himself. Because the thing is, he's a fan of the genre. And the thing yeah. is, before Pacific Rim, name one other movie where a giant robot fought monsters. That's not animated. That's not animated or from Japan. Yeah, go. <laughs> I Do you hear those crickets? Those crickets are... I think there was like some really well, lame I mean, if Roger Corman B movie. Well, if uh, you maybe, think maybe. of uh, <laughs> or something from Asylum, maybe from hey, Asylum. If you think of Matthew Broderick's uh, robotic acting in the Inspector one, the Godzilla movie, <laughs> there you go. Oh, okay, that's a lot of fish. Yeah, that was the joke I was going for. <laughs> hey, <laughs> well, speaking of a lot of fish, but hey. Pacific Rim did fill up that you know that gaping giant hole over there. what giant hole the you know live action robot fighting oh the first one yes yeah. yes definitely because just like a lot of uh, things we didn't know we wanted this until it happened yep. yeah <laughs> like, and it was good I didn't realize I wanted a rocket mounted elbow <laughs> to hit a kaiju in the face until I saw it live it's like okay this was awesome like no let me as a fan of mechas in general as a child of the 80s as an Asian person yeah God, this movie was built for guys like me <laughs> and yeah. for uh, like Mr. Toffee. Like, it's like yeah. holy shit, they made a Voltron movie yeah. and we didn't realize it. <laughs> Especially when in the end, how does he dispatch of the big bad uh, kaiju? Isn't that's a blazing sword? Yeah. yeah. Damn. In the atmosphere, <laughs> underwater sometimes also. Yeah. <laughs> so logic, fuck it. It's a big robot punching a monster. With a nice delivery, de- delivery from uh, you know Rico. Kikuchi. Yeah. She did that, say that line really I, cool. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, the best way I've heard it described was by Honest Trailers when they said this is either the dumbest awesome movie or the most awesome dumb movie you've ever seen. And it's right yeah. on both accounts. Yeah. yeah. It is. So speaking of dumb and not awesome. Yeah, this movie. This sequel. <laughs> like, you know, what worked in the previous movie, all the big robot action scenes where we had three big, nice fight scenes. In this movie, we have. One. Two. One awesome robots versus, versus monsters. Monster. We have. Two short robot versus robots. Robot fights, yeah. yeah so which were super short and not that fascinating. At all, because it's basically like any other Transformers movie where yeah. it's just me- metal clanging against metal. But hey, at least we could tell what was going on because one was blue and one was black. <laughs> <laughs> and guess which one's the bad guy? Yeah. Not the blue one. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Because they had to resurrect Gypsy Avenger. Not Gypsy Danger. Yeah, it was Gypsy Danger in the first one, right? Now yeah. it's Gypsy Avenger. So is he still nuclear? Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody uh, cares. Yeah, they, they don't even talk about that element anymore. It's like this is something which this is going to be tangential, but this is something which really pissed me off about this movie. 
They're elements of a far more interesting movie dotted all over this movie. Because like the source material was so strong, the first movie. Yeah, yeah. from the first film. But then you have even like the touching points, like the fact that you have all these people living in these unfinished uh, Pacific uh, coasts. Like all these set, uh, settlement, like yeah, settlements on I the like coast. that. Like, they yeah. were the all the references the to the kaiju worshippers when who are protesting the UN General Assembly. It's like, why are we talking about this? Like there was this kind of like counter movement. Maybe that was the big bad they were trying to fight rather than generic evil corporation. Maybe somehow. I mean, I would say this right. It's also intangent. I mean, it's parallel to like the unceremonious leaving of uh, Del Toro. Yeah. We also have the unceremonious death of Marco Mori. It was spoilers. Yeah. yeah. The it badass of the first movie gets taken out in a helicopter crash. Yeah, in yeah. like not I think it was like twenty minutes, right? She got yeah. taken out. And of yeah. course you have the emotional hook of my brother tried to save me, but his robot wasn't big enough or fast enough. But mm. I he could very obviously have caught that helicopter. Like he tried once and then try again. <laughs> I, Whatever. But that's the thing, because like oh and that's when I that's that to me is the moment where this entire movie falls apart because mm-hmm. it's like Okay, we need to kind of uh, step out of the shadow of the first movie. This and kaiju-sized shadow. And yeah. they can't. And they can't. Like, you can't step out of Idris Elba's shadow. You can't step out of Mako Mori. Her original character was the most fascinating thing about the yeah, first movie. She was yeah. badass. Like, you know, even her origin. The backstory and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. yeah. That origin was actually a very powerful origin story. Just seeing mm-hmm. her as a little girl cry as a kaiju is tearing her city apart. is like Yeah, while she's holding those little red shoes around her neck. Like, mm. it was really touching. And they tried to do that again with... Um, uh, Spunky Brewster's origin story, <laughs> and it just and falls it, flat. It was yeah. actually it was funny. It, it felt more like a franchise movie. Than it was goddamn Looney you know? Tunes when like the thing stepped <laughs> on her yeah. family. So I was like, look, I'll catch you. I promise. I promise. Boom! <laughs> like a Monty Python foot just comes from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Just had literally that, was that fart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was had like that fart noise <laughs> or added effect. Oi. <laughs> 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 And, and that's the problem I have with Pacific Rim too, because it's like, okay, we need, it's like the same problem I had with The Force Awakens. Yeah. We need to kind of like, uh, you know, disavow ourselves from the previous thing, but we're going to have to reference the same thing also. So uh, maybe tongue in cheek, uh, maybe I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. And, and there was not much soul when they even tried to recreate or even put this to a new generation of pilots and even all that. the good elements which returned which was Charlie Day yes. and uh, I keep forgetting the, the guy's scientist, name the scientist the scientist he was um, just call, let's just call him Charlie Knight Jolly, Charlie Day and Charlie, Charlie Knight no. uh, Bern Gorman Bern Gorman Bern Gorman I love him he's a very underappreciated uh, character actor you think he always plays these very sleazy kind of villainous characters I want to say this he is first choice if they ever do a Frankenstein movie as, as Victor Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, no. I think it'd be a better ego. No. I want him as Victor Frankenstein. Okay. I want him to shout, it's alive, it's alive. Yeah. In it's alive! Cool. In, in, that, in, voice. in that character. Yeah. Like, oh my God. There you go. Or if they redo Reanimator, he is the new uh, yeah. Herbert West. Yeah, yeah. He should, he should. <laughs> He's got the charisma for that, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. For that. Well, yeah. What has he, else has he been in? I know uh, he was in Batman, Batman right? He's been, right? A, he's been in a lot of TV stuff. He was in Batman briefly. I can't remember. He, he was in The Dark Knight Rises. He's the one who receives the, like, who's giving the thing to Catwoman, right? I think That's so. He was yeah. one who got killed by Bane at that one scene in the corridor, the one where he... Really? Yeah, yeah. He was that guy who got killed one. Because he was the name of the character who did the makeup company stuff in the comics. Can't remember. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Okay, and yeah. uh, he was also one of the uh, traitorous uh, uh, brothers of the Night's Watch in Game of Thrones. Of course. <laughs> like when they go to uh, Crestus Homestead again in season four or five. 
And he decides to pick up one of the daughters, right? Uh, no, he's, <laughs> I don't he's, he's the one fighting with the two little knives against... Um, oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, yeah, him. yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And he was very good in uh, a TV adaptation of an Agatha Christie uh, novel, uh, the Ten Little Soldiers uh, remake. Which soldier was he? He was Soldier 5, I think. Five Little Soldier 5. Oh, Little Soldier 5. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's called And Then There Were None. Really good uh, mini yeah, I've uh, read it. series. <laughs> no, uh, watch, watch the BBC oh, really? adaptation. It's really good. Okay, I'll check it out. Very, very good. Mm. So, yeah, the Nine of the Redeemed Pacific Rim Uprising, apparently. <laughs> no, no, like, he was good. And look, Charlie Day is just doing his character from uh, Always Sunny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine. except scientist. Yeah, yeah. Except it's like if, if he was smart and not dyslexic, <laughs> this is what his character would be. But he, even he, like... He can't save this movie. As smart as that twist was where he's the bad guy all yeah. along, mm-hmm. again, a very unceremonious end to his character arc in the Pacific Rim, leaving only Gormand. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Gorman. So of course, part three. I mean, budget constraints and whatever. Who? Well, they haven't tapped into the Ron Perlman yet. Not yet. Not I yet. doubt yeah. he's coming back but, though. But thing is, like they showed in that uh, uh, teaser at the end of the first one that he survives. Yeah, he got his shoe back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my god, damn shoe! Which is a pity. <laughs> he came out chin first. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was a really satisfying uh, character death when he just gets swallowed by the baby kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so remember the baby kaiju? Yeah. So they're the pilots of this uh, new drone army, yeah. apparently. And Charlie Day They just make me think of the Daleks from Doctor Who. Hey. Yeah, there's, like, there's a squid underneath all that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, the design was kind of cool and when they bursted out that Chinese drone robot. Yeah, the thing is, it e- looked all right. even the Daleks were more intimidating than these droid, uh, droid Jaegers. Yeah, I, and g- I agree. And they're trash cans with suction cups. And sharp little edges. Yeah. Exterminate! And now we have giant trash cans with tentacles. There we go. <laughs> like, hentai's gone really out of control these days. Well, I know. A lot of young little girls running around, none of them got affected. Oh, God. <laughs> that would have been a better movie. So, like, yeah, <laughs> that would have been a real yeah. That isn't enough to save and anything. I think it should have been Pacific Rim upskirting. Am I right, boys? Indi- oh, yeah. <laughs> a good indicator of how good a movie does, I'd say, is judging by how the audience uh, reacts. Because I feel like. Singaporean audiences are very reactionary in these kind of movies. How many times did they laugh? None. Like, often, like, this, the cinema was so quiet, like, I hear the really fat neck bit next to me going... <laughs> that was an actual nerd getting pissed off. <laughs> what have they done to Pacific Rim? Yeah. Oh, that was so unpleasant. Like, I bet you obviously it didn't shower that morning either. I bet you heard some people talking to their friends while the movie was going on in my group. That's pretty bad. Look, I spent most of the time just, like, Rolling my eyes at my wife who was sitting next to me. Oh like, man! We were both excited to watch this movie because we both liked the first Pacific Rim. Saying, "Hey, at least I'll be dumb fun." They watched it going. Ugh. It was dumb. Like, <laughs> it got that part right. They had a couple of good action scenes. Which ones? Uh, I mean, the the one kaiju fight I thought was quite well done. Like the one with the bigger kaiju, right? When they the, formed into mega kaiju. Uh, the, the 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 fusion half thing was okay, but I'm talking about like the individual fights. The okay. Before then, yeah. Like yeah. Strike Athena is actually pretty cool in her like attack style. Oh, which one is Athena again? The one, uh, the one, the one who looks like a Vangelion. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. That right. one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the thing is, it's the same thing with the first uh, Pacific Rim, where like the lead uh, Jaeger is the least interesting one. Like, Gypsy Avenger is less interesting than the other ones. Like, one has a fucking ball and chain weapon. Mm. Which is such a waste of time. Just like... Eh, eh, eh. And obviously uh, very... Because, uh, like, we are aware, as well. we're aware of the rocket elbow technology. And then, oh, how does this attack? With centrifuge. Huh? <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
So what happens if a kaiju catches it? What's the power it? of physics? Yeah. We saw what happens when you catch it. You just get spun round and round <laughs> and round. And one has an electric whip, which uh, if I didn't know the game came out later, would I thought came from this indie game called Into the Breach. Probably. Mm, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. okay. I would say now, that, if you want a good kaiju mech um, experience, play Into the Breach. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Does kaijus appear in Into the Breach? Yeah, yeah. It it's actually a game where you oh, defeat okay. kaiju turn-based. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's the guys who made uh, FTL. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, you can tell it's a bad movie when you want to talk about something else. Yeah, yeah when yeah. you're talking about a fucking indie game instead of this movie. <laughs> or even that one part of Bayonetta 2 where you control a mech. That's yeah. even more entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. I wasn't bored half of the time but you felt <laughs> your intelligence was insulted all yeah, the time especially there was a scene between uh, Scott Eastwood and uh, Lesser Elba or Lacker Elba <laughs> Lacker Elba I'm with the ice cream right yeah the ice cream scene was so unnecessary and just angered me <laughs> especially since like you know we're all more health conscious these days. Just watching him like it's just like eating these sprinkles. I just like love how like Mr. Eastwood, right, son of legendary actor and director Clint. Yeah, is as one note as possible. Like we're all a family. We should work together. Some people should learn how to work better with others. And he like l- glares over to like you know Lesser Elba, yep. and then like he rolls his eyes and he's like yeah yeah. Y- you keep saying that. We get it. You don't get along. Fine. We know that. We yeah. know yeah. that. Which would be an interesting dynamic when you both are in a Jaeger together. Yeah, we get it. You're setting something up. Stop but it. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Like even like the love triangle thing, which happened, goes absolutely nowhere. Mm-hmm. And they just added to say, "Oh, we don't have enough women. Add some spunky Latina for them to fight about." They don't really fight because basically, yeah, she just kisses them both. And there's like nothing happened in between that scene and when they yeah, met the I first mean, time. If it led up to maybe strange. an Eiffel Tower moment, then it would have been fine, but it didn't. Mm. That's the thing, it does not build up on the side characters at all, ever. No, no but they do build up on Spunky Brewster and her relationship with a tall Russian girl, who I shall call. That uh, was like nothing. the worst yeah. uh, resolution. Like, you know, they're constantly fighting, but. You don't deserve pee here, you junkyard baby. Yeah, and then <laughs> suddenly she said, oh. I like you now. Like for what? You yeah, proven you yourself. You beat the shit out of her in the last scene. Damn like it. apart from maybe almost snapping her arm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, and all of the other uh, cadets are so one notes. Yeah. Like you have the Indian kid whose daughter's a plastic, whose father's a plastic surgeon. <laughs> you have Asian kid who's Asian. Yeah. You have Russian guy. You have Indian girl. Mm-hmm. You have other dude. And white girl. So yeah. it doesn't have one white male, does it? Uh, oh, the Russian I, thought, guy. I thought Scott Eastwood was the Scott one. Like, Russian I mean, amongst the cadets. Oh, the kids. Yeah. Kids. Was there? Was there a little white kid? Mm. No, that was a no, the Vietnamese. Ru- the, Ru- the Russian kid. dude was. Oh, he was, right. But he's yeah. not American. Yeah, but he's So it's a, a different kind of white privilege, I guess. <laughs> he's, he's still a white dude. <laughs> hey, there you go. I think there was a huge shift in. Uh, definitely a huge shift in tone compared to the first. This is obviously built so we can, again, sell toys. Yeah. yeah. Or build up a future franchise with this new. Sorry, old director, Stephen Denight. Who actually, did the the div- who actually did the Daredevil TV yeah, this series. This is his director debut for a feature film. Yeah. Other than that, he's done w- one Daredevil episode, one Dollhouse episode, some Smallville, yeah. and some Angel as well. And its biggest uh, prime crime is, again, probably just trying to be built as a franchise slash kids. Yeah, I PG-13 think film, was it? Was it this PG-13? is a PG-13 film. This is, I think, the most egregious thing is that 
the first film, despite its problems, was a passion project yeah, and it was by yeah. a big fucking nerd who wanted to make a mech movie. Yeah. This was made because he never saw one. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to make a sequel. He got kicked out so uh, Universal could make because their dark universe didn't pan out, they wanted a toy making franchise. So this is basically Pacific Rim without the soul and without that yeah. guilt Guillermo del Toro detail and panache. Yeah, the only thing that's left is the visual design and some of the action scenes. They're nowhere near as good as the first Pacific Rim. Oh God, no. But they're better than whatever Michael Bay shits out. It's bright, for one. Oh yeah. (laughs) But you know what? Props to Guillermo del Toro because now he can like look back at the studio and say, suck it because he has an Academy Award. God damn it. (laughs) So it's now Academy Award winning Guillermo del Toro. Finally. Probably a... Pretty good chance at making that amount of madness movie he wanted. Please yeah. go for it, sir. You know, because the thing is, if you can pull a Pacific Rim, go oh, yes, yes. That like I still am kind of hoping that he does. He did mention once in an interview that he would be very interested in doing the dark Marvel, uh, cinematic universe, which is starring Morphe Morbius, I guess. Like yeah, with Constantine and yeah. all that. The more occultish. No, Constantine oh. is DC. Oh my bad. Yeah, no, I, I think mean, you meant the DC. Horror. You think is it? Is no, that Constantine is Marvel, isn't no, he? No, no, Constantine is DC. John Constantine. Yeah, is he's DC. under Image. Yeah, he's oh, DC. Okay, yeah, so yeah. he he appears with Sandman and Batman. Vertigo. I think you mean Vertigo, not My bad. Image. So Vertigo. yeah, okay. So I, mean, I think he did right. He wanted to do more supernatural. I think he did in one arti- in one interview. I don't know, but, but I think it was Marvel because I think he did also mention like he had a he had ideas for like Doctor Strange and all the craziness that happens with the oh Marvel stuff. I would the love Dormammu to see and, uh, a Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor Strange movie directed Shumagora. by him. <laughs> by him. That would be messed up. And then you enter like the real. Like and the thing is right, he has probably the book collection to like you know refer to and prove to all of us like oh so that's what the cosmic you know astral plane should really well, look okay, like. Okay, look in fairness with the original uh, but the Doctor Strange movie we have the, the which is Inception Light. Well, <laughs> look, but the, it's still good looking. The screenwriter, yeah. the screenwriter I know from something else, and he's a massive Doctor Strange nerd as well. Like yeah, he has okay. all the comics as well. I mean, I would say this too. Like, I mean, like Guillermo del Toro. It kind of sucks to have seen his baby taken away from him somewhere. Yeah, and at least now we know that I, it was him that made it special. It wasn't him that was holding it back. Yeah. I mean, like, similar to, like, I mean, his previous, like, more comic booky efforts, like Blade 2. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's oh, not yeah. a great movie, but there's something it was so good. genuine about it. That like, even Hellblade, even Hellblade 2. Hellboy. Hellboy, Hellboy, Hellboy. Hellboy, sorry. <laughs> Hellblade's that game which came out. Which yeah. is pretty alright. That, yeah. that was a good game. It's alright. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so Hellboy, Hellboy. Like Hellboy is like you know the first one was not a great movie, but it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and visually striking. And it gave Doug Jones the start that he needed to yes. actually yeah. <laughs> to be Fishman forever. <laughs> to be Fishman again. And well, then Hellboy hey, you too. know, it's a living. Yep. <laughs> no one else can do it better than him. Finally, I got a love scene. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's the great thing about him? Yeah. He can hold his breath. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He breathes, uh, out, he breathes out the side of his neck, you know. So mm, he, can go, he can stay down there for a long a, time, <laughs> ladies. He can do a proper suction. Oh, there you there go. You go. <laughs> He's got wet fingers, ladies. Hello. <laughs> I wish we could end that on a good note, but we have to review no. a film, unfortunately. Okay, uh, final scores? I'm going to have to play Devil's Advocate 4 out of 10, because I know mm. deep down... Devil's Advocate to who? 4 out of 10 is a terrible score. I know, but still, at Devil's the same Advocate time, to the who? 4 is because I know this film is going to be a franchise, I know this film is going to be... I don't think so, I think this kills line, it. It's going to bomb hard. I believe that. Because, you know what? Black Panther is still in the box office, and it's still number one. And still showing. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a ship everything, right? Like it is now nothing stands a chance. It is now the highest grossing Marvel movie in the US. Really? Yeah. Six hundred thirty million dollars just in a Singapore US. crazy. Yeah. Singapore as well, as well as talk about yeah. reparations for the black people. <laughs> is it showing in China now, is it? I'm not sure. It oh, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's got very weird reviews coming out of China. Yeah, okay. they're saying it's too black. <laughs> It's so black it hurts my eyes. I saw a review from like some random asshole from China basically yeah. saying like, oh, there were so many black actors in the movie, I could not find my seat. <laughs> oh yeah. The sad thing is that is probably it, what they're saying. It's that it sad blacks thing. out the cinema. I mean like, wow. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Who gave yeah. these guys internet and capitalism? Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of China, I think they'll probably pay money for this damn film. Oh yeah, because half of it is in goddamn Mandarin. There you go. Mm. Uh, especially and, it, and then that shitty Transformers film, um, all of them. They yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the real. That's, that's the a review. good joke, actually. <laughs> you know, like you know that shitty. Did well in China, surprisingly. Which one? <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Did well in China, except for the last one. Yeah, because even the Chinese are sick of Michael Bay's shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. 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 They, yes, they are. So yeah, my score is um, actually it's the same. It's a four, because I was entertained enough by some of the robot fighting that I could forgive. The shitty acting, the poor screenwriting, the bad cuts, the nonsensical story arcs, the unnecessary padding, the fuck you death of Makamori. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm just a little bit generous because, again, if I just watch it as a Spy Kids with robots kind of mentality, eh. Well, hey, this is my best review. This is definitely a movie where I'll watch the highlights on YouTube in two years' time. There you go. There you go. I wouldn't. I'll skip it. I'll, I'll watch the first one. No, the thing is, this has compelled me to watch the first one again on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Right? Netflix. yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'd <laughs> watch good. that Russian bot get stomped again because that was so satisfying. Yeah. I know. You know it's just seeing like those kaijus peel those like uh, Jaegers apart. Yeah. So, my final review. One. There you go. Wow. Yeah. You're bringing it home One there. because... Yeah, okay. You have one... F- Monster kaiju, fu- uh, kaiju, mega kaiju, <laughs> one mega kaiju Jaeger fight, and okay, that's the that's not the price of admission. I'm sorry, no, <laughs> no, it's but not. because if it, if that didn't exist, then like fuck this movie seriously, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but if anything, like you know what, uh, it made us appreciate what Guillermo del Toro did with Pacific Rim. No, it should really inspire all of you fuckers out there because the thing is, Pacific Rim when it came out, okay, and the thing is, everybody thought it was so dumb that they didn't want to support it. Like, fucking Hideo Kojima was, like, tweeting to the people of Japan, if you are true otaku, if you love kaiju and mecha, fucking watch this movie. It had everybody, every nerd was up in arms saying, watch Pacific Rim, this needs to be a success. And the thing is, it didn't. It didn't achieve the kind of numbers that the studios are looking forward to. And then all of a sudden, fucking like, you know, like, you have no idea what you're doing. We're going to take this franchise away from you. We're going to put children in it because we have demographics now. We're going to put Chinese women in it because the three Chinese women, the three Chinese guys you killed in the first movie was very, like, you know, we we can't sell this to China. And then like, oh, hey, you still want to make this a franchise? And Guillermo was like, okay. Fuck you guys! I'm out of here. I'm gonna do Shape of Water, where fish fucks woman, <laughs> and I get and, an Academy Award and for win it. Win the fucking Oscar for best director and best film. So fuck you! I'm gonna do my H.P. Lovecraft, Mountains of Madness. So if you wanna see real gigantic t- tentacles coming out from another dimension, hey, I'm doing that, and I might just add a giant robot just to fuck with all of you because Pacific Rim Uprising fucking sucks. <laughs> Yes, okay. one, up, one up on ten. <laughs> that's the best. That's the best ending could offer for, for this episode. That was honestly. amazing, and uh, so yeah, that's the end of the episode. Yeah, good job, good job. So next week, you know what? 
Pacific Rim job. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's the title of the episode right here. Pacific Rim job. Anyway. Um, Sticking kaijus up your week. ass. <laughs> from light bulbs to kaijus. Woohoo. Yeah. Okay. You'll be shitting subway trains from now on. It's very slippery. <laughs> and Ron Perlman sometimes. <laughs> and Ron Perlman coming out. I found the other shoe. <laughs> Chin first, as usual. Next week, we're going to be reviewing Ready Player One, which will have another giant robot. <laughs> which the, one? The Iron Giant. And and Gundam as well. Oh somewhere yeah, Gundam's in, there. in it as well. Gundam's in this one too, yeah. as a statue <laughs> for a while. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So <sighs> that's probably going to be... I imagine you two are going to like it more than I will. I mean, it's going to cater to all of my childhood Exactly, it's going to cater to men in their mid-30s and up. But then again, hey... Steven Spielberg directing. I'm really strict with my media, so I might hate it too. Okay. (laughs) So uh, we'll see. But anyway, that's been our uh, blockbuster of a uh, episode. And now let's uh, finish this up. I have been Eccentric Tom. This has been Mr. Toffee. I am Dr. Pentecostal (laughs) Shafik. Pentecostal (laughs) Shafik? Signing up. We are cancelling this podcast.